Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. This podcast contains frank discussions about the body, sexuality, and occasionally uses swear words, which may not be appropriate for people under the age of 18. This podcast also uses facts, statistics, and mathematics, which may not be appropriate for liberal arts majors. And this podcast relies on science and reality, which may not be appropriate for evangelicals. Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. You're here with your host, Auntie Vice, and I am here today with Cooper Beckett and Lindsay Miller. And this this has been a conversation uh, coming for a while. They have a new book out, The Pegging Book. It's all things pegging, which is phenomenal. They do the swing set, they're polyamorous, all the cool things that everybody tunes into the show to hear. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. Good to have you here. So let's let's start with the book because that's coming out, and uh, you you did a whole book on pegging. Why? <laughs> because question. there wasn't one. Yeah, Cooper and I had taught a class at my my job, the Tool Shed and Erotic Boutique, which is like a feminist mission driven, education driven sex toy store, right? And we had been teaching this class for like five years before mm-hmm. 2020, which is when we started the book. And, um, and yeah, then pandemic hit and we decided, Hey, so we can't teach this class in person anymore. Um, it's not quite the same on zoom though. I have taught many zoom classes since then. Uh, and, and yeah, Cooper and I both agreed because we had been saying this for, since we've started the class, why don't we actually make it into a book? You know, we got like, I had 10 weeks of at home, uh, you know, <laughs> like, uh, uh, lockdown time to, to contribute to it. And so, yeah, we, we started writing a book during the pandemic, but we had always wanted to since, because, because it didn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not to say there aren't books about pegging here and there or books about, uh, anal sex or books about anal sex with dildos or anal sex for men or anal, you know, they're, there are all these books that are sort of swirling around the topic, but we uh, we know that so many people are curious specifically about this and may not want to read a long book about various anal sex things or may not want to explore just a book called dildo sex you know that there's there's so much to those things and we we felt that pegging it was time so let's talk about how pegging's just different than anal sex for men right <laughs> because you you've got both uh but pegging falls into the special category what makes pegging different well, we acknowledge it's not that different. Um, and then really part of the, part of the reason for the book is like, look, we're talking about pegging because pegging is what you want to know about. That said, it is just anal sex with a dildo. That is literally all that makes it pegging. If you want to heteronormalize it, it's a woman wearing a strap on fucking a man in the ass. Yes. But it doesn't have to be. 
And we wanted to really make sure that while we are focusing on people who may just be dipping their toes in or may not be even, even fully aware of the vast spectrum of sexualities and body types, uh, we wanted to make it accessible for them, but also recognize that uh, trans people uh, do this. Uh, women uh, can can peg on other women. It's it's okay. We can all do this. It's okay. And recognize that like non-binary people exist, yes. so they're not going to necessarily fall within that really strict heteronormative definition of pegging, but they still can do it absolutely. And that you know, trans women are women, trans men are men. And I've heard from trans men who feel really like validated and affirmed mm -hmm. in their gender when they're being pegged because it's like, yeah, I'm a man, you know, like it's, yeah. it's really cool. So um, yeah, pegging isn't a heteronormative act necessarily, but the original definition was really heteronormative. And we definitely, we get into that. Yeah, no, I, I, for the readers, I've, I've had a chance to read the book. It's great. I oh, awesome. fully recommend it. Um, even if pegging is just a small part of your sexuality or you're, you're kind of interested in it, it's worth picking up because it's got a lot of good tips and discussion. You bring up the heteronormativity of the definition of pegging and, and how that falls. And last year we had a big, Big to do in at least in the gay media with the peg the patriarchy shirt. Uh, yes, um, mm -hmm. and and lots of people have lots of feels about that. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to f figure out where you guys fall in on the idea of pegging the patriarchy. Cool thing in our book, Tristan Terramino, uh, who is one of the mm -hmm. the grand dames of of uh, anal sex. She writes about that specific instance and uh, the peg the patriarchy and whether or not peg the patriarchy means doing something nice for the patriarchy because we believe pegging is nice. Or does it mean turning the patriarchy on its head or does it mean um, switching roles? And it, it, I feel like it can mean a whole lot of different things there. And the creator of the term, uh, Luna Matatas, has come out and talked about this. I mean, at least I've seen it on Instagram yeah. a couple mm -hmm. times where she was saying, you know, it's, it was subversive. It was kind of satire. Um, I think some folks have maybe taken it in different directions, right? But um, I would definitely go and, and check her out because she has a really good uh, definition of what she meant when she created it. Yeah. I mean, and it, it does also go back to using fuck you as a negative thing. <laughs> right. Because fuck you is actually a really positive thing. So using fuck you uh, or get fucked is, you know, it, it's it's another way of just, I look at it as the, the patriarchy is unlikely to participate in fun and extracurricular sexual activities because they're so uh, repressed in general and believe that sex is something you only do per for procreation or as an affront to your Lord God and uh, pegging them. It, it, you know, they may enjoy it, but they'll probably feel bad about it afterwards, which, you know, maybe they should. And for maybe me, it means like, fuck the patriarchy by pegging, <laughs> right? <laughs> fuck the patriarchy. One, guy at a time by pegging them there you go yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of how i took it and and the crazy thing to me was luna had weighed in on this when she originally came out and trademarked the shirt years before it blew up in the media mm -hmm. 
so yeah, there's a there's a ton of discussion on it. But yeah, it was amazing to me to see that discussion hitting mainline, you know, publications like Vice, like Post, yeah, right. like it was crazy to me. So you bring up the fact that the patriarchy does not enjoy sex. So both of you are <laughs> in polyamory, and, and you know, and sex is supposed to be just for procreation. If it's not, yeah. you're doing something very right, wrong, right. Uh, sinful. So yeah. I. I've been doing something very wrong for for over thirty five years now. Jesus, and I've, you're, you're, you're uh, yeah, that's Sinner. bad. That's bad. Sinner. Yeah, yes, so shame, bad. so bad. Shame. <laughs> Being in those those communities, you probably had to do some unlearning of of norms. Oh, so for God, both yeah. of you, where did that unlearning start, so that you could embrace sex for pleasure and sex with multiple people, and not have to go to confession and repent? <laughs> I don't know if you were a Catholic Cooper. I think I you was, have yeah. you have said that. Yes, uh, I grew up in kind of an like half agnostic, half uh, like I'll go to mass on Easter Sunday only kind of Catholics. So like that was there. And my dad has gotten progressively more religious as I've left the house, which is gross and whatever. It's fine. Um, but um, I didn't grow up with a strong, oh, like sex i didn't grow up in a sex shame household necessarily it was just like not talked about it was just kind of like deny that that exists and there was a lot of uh cheating going on in my parents relationship so i saw that so i saw like monogamy might not work for most people and maybe not a great idea i don't know uh and then i also saw my older sisters who got like pregnant at 15 were constantly being cheated on by their partners whose partners were going to prison and things like bad relationships bad examples and for a long time i was like maybe i'm asexual because i don't want any of this bullshit like yikes i don't like it um and it didn't really occur to me until college my early 20s that i was like interested in people and interested in sexuality and actually a lot, I could probably contribute a lot of that uh, learning and understanding from the toolshed where I work now. Before I worked there, I would go to classes there and I would go to discussion groups there. And so that was really cool. They kind of opened my mind up to a lot of things. And then the owners of the toolshed, who are now good friends of mine, and I would have conversations about like before I went to the toolshed, I didn't really know anything about trans people. And then I learned a whole fuck of a lot about trans people. And so that was really, really helpful. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like I I was really late to the game. Like, well, early 20s. Some people are far later than that. That's for sure. But um, but I didn't really get into sex or sex education or anything until probably a lot later than most people. <laughs> now, speaking of late to the game... Lindsay, I was 29 oh. when uh, my wife and I, in our hetero, you know, very heteronormative white bread, we'd only had sex with each other relationship, decided to open our marriage. And we only did that because both of us wanted to fuck other people. And we didn't know how to do that without getting divorced until a friend recommended swinging. And so we thought, well, I mean, the worst that could happen is we get divorced and we were already talking about that. So therefore, why not try this? And, you know, opening our relationship changed everything like it, it, um, 
every everything in my life, literally everything in my life at this moment can be attributed to that decision to open my relationship. And it's because I think so often when we are in mainstream society, we get to a point and we think this is us. This is us for the rest of our lives. We're done. We're, we're, we've learned all there is to learn. We've grown all there is to grow. And now this is us. And because my ex and I were not interested in having kids that put a little bit of an extra, well, but what's the point then? You know, if, if this is us, what's the point of this? And opening up and, and swinging, actually, you know, a lot of people look down on swinging, but it, it changed me completely. It made me more empathetic. It made me understand uh, a lot of different people. And it really forced me to confront things that I had, like, severe internalized homophobia, which, you know, the swinging community isn't known for confronting internalized uh, homophobia, to be clear. But it it showed me that I wasn't done growing. And over the years, when that changed into polyamory, and when I uh, really left heteronormativity behind, you know, I am I am married to a woman, but we both consider ourselves queer and we both have sex with the, the vast spectrum of sexuality. Uh, but it's, it's funny, you know, like I never had to unlearn the uh, fear of God or fear of sinning or fear of, uh, because I, I'd abandoned the church mentally, you know, when I was 12 uh, it took me till high school to abandon the church, literally, because my parents were good Catholics, you know, went to church every week. And and I'm lucky in that my parents are good Catholics in the way of they still support me and still understand me. And I've seen them grow and change over the years. Because I remember when In and Out. You remember the movie In and Out with uh, Kevin Klein, the the teacher who comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was like, "Well, why do we have to make a movie about this?" You know. And these days, now they're watching TV shows where the central plot is queer characters, and uh, in you know, I I understand that everybody has to go on their own journey there. And I certainly know I did because I didn't know any gay people when I was much younger. And oftentimes it is seeing it in your sphere that changes your minds about it. And that's one of the reasons I am so open and honest about who I am now is because I know there's every possibility I'm going to run into someone who, like me, didn't know anyone who was queer, didn't know anyone who was non-monogamous, didn't know anyone who was even looking for anything other than the traditional values of Christianity, for fuck's sake. And maybe I can nudge them in a direction that they wouldn't have otherwise thought of. Because, you know, Lindsay and I have talked about this a lot. There's nothing wrong with monogamy. What's wrong is not having a choice. And when you believe that monogamy is the only option, because most people do, that's not a choice at all. So if you choose monogamy knowing that you could go out 
and and date or fuck multiple people, that's fine. Though I I definitely prefer dating and fucking multiple people. <laughs> I, I'm I'm coming down hard on the side of non-monogamy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like a filibuster there for a little while. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, I, I, you bring up a couple of things I, I want to delve into, and you bring up that the swinger community is not great about addressing internalized homophobia. And a lot in the swinger community that I've experienced, it's very heteronormative. Very uh, much so, yeah. When you move from that into polyamory, there, there's very different models. Oh, yeah. So, you know, in your own journeys of, of finding this, uh, are there benefits to landing in one community or the other, or, you know, are, are some people going to be drawn to one more than the other for particular reasons? I'm of the opinion that there is very little difference between swinging and polyamory, like, like the gender spectrum, you know, you have swinging on one side, like extreme swinging, which is, uh, we're a couple and we only fuck people that we'll never see again. We don't want to know names. We don't want to interact. And that's, that's valid. Sure. And then there's extreme polyamory on the other side, which often is called closed polyamory, where you're dating three people and that's it, you know, and you're not looking for other people and you're not. And so those are valid on each side, but I don't know a single swinger who doesn't have more long-term friendships and who doesn't love their friends. You know, you may not want to call it a relationship, but it's a relationship. You may not want to say, I love you, but you do because otherwise, why are you hanging out with these people? And honestly, I don't know a single poly person who doesn't fuck people for fun, you know, without the relationship. I don't know a single one. Therefore, the the vast majority of this spectrum is overlap. And whenever I try to describe what I am, I have to say, look, I'm I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm on the line between swinger and polyamory because I may meet someone and we click in that carnal way and that's it. And we don't want to have a long-term relationship. But yeah, we want to fuck each other's brains out. Or I may meet someone and immediately feel that intense uh, loving attraction toward them. And I think honestly, not deciding that up front is a really, it may not work for everybody because some people need the safety net of this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. But as I, as I mentioned, I, I'm all for just growing and changing and learning at this point in my life. And every new person is a new opportunity to grow and change and learn and be different. And I love that. And I think any community is kind of what you make it. So yeah. if you only invite into like your sw swinger community or group or sphere or whatever, um, cishet white folks, then that's the only experience you'll ever have. And if they're yeah. all on that far end of the spectrum, traditional swingers, that's the only kind of experience you'll, you're going to get. Um, if you have a community of diverse uh, orientations, uh, sexual and romantic and platonic the orientations and uh, different types of uh, people who identify with different kinds of genders, uh, then your experiences are going to be varied. And so I always feel like because, well, I feel like you can make a community, right? I've made many communities. And if you don't 
find that any community out there is one that speaks to you, do it yourself, right? Like make it happen. Um, And the best way to make a progressive swinging community is invite a bunch of progressive people and then fuck them. (laughs) So I don't know. That's what I did. I I, I feel like I I have a lot of, like I always call any kind of like swinging event I go to uh, like a poly play party because it's always my poly friends. It's always the people who I love and know it's like never a strange there's never strangers there uh it's always people who i find are like i'm really close to and connected to already and that's what makes a really good like progressive play party situation um for me i mean a lot of people again there are people who only want to fuck strangers and that's totally valid go do that cool uh but i feel like um when when it's a bunch of people who you know and trust uh, you can have different experiences and feel, at least for me, like really comfortable in a space. Um, and yeah, so I feel like there are progressive swingers out there for sure. And there are poly swingers and there are swingers who fall in love with their partners and evolve or devolve, who knows, whatever you <laughs> transition to polyamory. Um, and so, so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's really what you make it. Yeah. And for, for me, it was the changing from going to swinger parties to going to a, a friend of mine started just throwing sex parties and he would invite all his friends, regardless of what their uh, relationship styles were. And most of his friends were queer. And so once I went to my first queer sex party, I never really wanted to go to a regular swinger party again because, you know, the, and Again, there's nothing wrong with having your rules and having your style and having all that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just far more interesting to me when I don't have to do the thing of, okay, are we playing uh, with both of you now because you have to play together? Is that what's, because that's fine, but is that what's happening? Because I want to play with you and I guess. I guess they can come. That's fine. You know? Yeah. So it, it's, it's a big difference. It is. It is. The other thing, and I'm sure you've come up with the, you know, up against this when you've taught your classes on pegging is does pegging make you gay? Right. The, the whole, <laughs> Oh, no homo. Right. <laughs> I have an easy answer for that. that. Yeah. No, uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but how do you get, <laughs> How do you get, especially cis men and heterosexual cis men, over the fear of having their buttholes touched? Because so many of them, like that is that is the mental block is way oh, yeah. more than any physical block. So it's, how do you how do you get a, a a straight dude past that? You you point out that they can have continuous uh, orgasms, multiple orgasms, uh, without being exhausted after each one. Um, I don't know how you get them past it. Honestly, you, if either people will or they won't. Yeah. It's a lot of internal work. You know, you, you have to let them know like, yes, maybe you have, you have stuff to get over. Maybe you have hangups on and you're going to have to work on those. But the ass is a universal, um, nerve ending infused area that is pleasurable or can be pleasurable for many people. And that doesn't actually affect your 
um, your sexual orientation in any way, shape, or form. And if you're exploring that area with someone of the opposite gender from you in binary terms, right? Um, that's very heterosexual. Yeah, that could not be less gay, honestly. <laughs> a woman really having sex with a man <laughs> yeah. is pretty damn definition it's as straight as you get. heterosexual. So I like to just tell people that, like, well, if you're having sex with a woman, you're, you're that's pretty straight. Um, so I don't think you got anything to worry about. Um, the butt is not for gays only. Lesbians also like butt play sometimes, or some <laughs> lesbians do, I should say. And uh, like uh, trans folks like butt play. It's it just it's really a universal um, space on the body. Everyone has a butt. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, everyone does have a butt. And uh, y- you you encounter people who only experienced anal interaction in certain spaces. Like a lot of people, a lot of people my age, a little bit older, have only ever experienced anal stimulation when their doctor jams his finger in there. And that's not supposed to be pleasurable. That's why it doesn't feel good, because he's just trying to get it over with as quickly as possible. And those of us who enjoy anal sex know that quick and enjoyment are not two words that go along with each other. The other thing a lot of men have experienced is uh, kind of pushing their female partners to let them fuck them in the ass. And a lot of them have experienced their female partners being in pain because they didn't prep well. And so like our book, you know, the vast majority of the book takes place before pegging, you know? And, and we keep saying, yeah, we'll get there eventually, but you got to do these things first. And honestly, the the gateway, I think, is a little external play during a blowjob. And that's the gateway that gets most men on their way there, is just recognizing that there is a sensation that feels good when my asshole is touched and until you recognize that and feel that you're just going to make a lot of assumptions. And honestly, especially bigger people like myself don't have as easy a time fucking themselves in the ass, playing with their own ass. So therefore they're also going to struggle with that, you know, and like, I just, I just snapped out. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Just assume I was done. There's a couple of questions that come up a lot when I talk about any type of anal sex when I'm teaching is women don't have, a, you know, if you're born female, you know, assigned female at birth, you don't have a prostate, right? Um, and the argument for anal sex in, you know, guys who are people who are born and assigned male at birth is the prostate is a fun, lovely thing to touch and play with and it is it is uh so why why would you know people who are born female at birth you know assigned female at birth why would they enjoy anal sex well i can i can take this um yes, please please <laughs> so um just as um a lot of folks who are born um with a prostate have a lot of nerve and dis- nerve endings in that area uh they're not all just focused in the prostate. There's nerve endings everywhere. So there's a lot of sensation to be had for anal sex, regardless of gender. Um, But also for some folks, 
uh, and especially folks who have already played with their G-spot from like vaginal activity, um, you can definitely hit the G-spot in certain yeah. positions from anal activity as well. Uh, and then there is sensation play with fullness. So if like you are having your ass played with and your vagina played with at the same and your clit played with at the same time, you like all these different sensations, they all cause um, you know, different reactions. They all feel differently. Uh, and then some people are really into the fullness of having double penetration, mm -hmm. um, of having a toy that vibrates while they have anal play or uh, uh, while they have vaginal play, uh, an anal plug that vibrates. So there's like all of these different sensations that can be had. No, you know, like people with vaginas don't have a prostate per se, but they do have a G-spot, which is almost exactly the same thing, yeah, <laughs> like even in the same area. G-spots are the same. Yeah, they're yeah, just, they're very, they're the very same. similar. They feel the same. They they kind of like... React uh, the yeah, same. They act the same, right? Yeah, so very similar areas, very similar parts of the body. Um, obviously, it's not like in your butt, but it's like, again, very thin, like amount of skin in between your vaginal canal and your anal canal so like it can be reached from anal play as well so i would say there's that there's also a mental like and i think this is like also regardless of gender there's a mental like thing it can be a stigma it can be a turn-on sometimes mm -hmm. stigmas can be a turn-on right like <laughs> there's a there's this mental thing around anal sex that it's dirty that it's kinky, that it's um, but dirty in a good way. I meant to that in a good in a good way. Um, and that it's like hot. Um, that because it can be a little bit painful and uncomfortable, that it's like more of a taboo, yeah. and that can be a turn on. That can be a huge turn on for a lot of people. So I think there's also that kinky element. Yeah. Hmm? It's transgressive. Yes. Although yeah. if you're uh, if you're you know Christian youth, it just means you're still a virgin. Jesus is loophole. <laughs> Jesus is loophole. <laughs> Quote Betty Bowers, America's best Christian, <laughs> save the hole in front for Jesus. Um, That's a weird yeah. reason. I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah. it is. It is. There, it, there's so much that comes up like culturally around Peggy. Oh, yeah. Like there's there's this deep deep political culture so now we're in this this backlash and i swear to god it's just the you know there's 30 percent of white people in this country are just pissed off we had a black president for eight years so this is this is what yeah. we get but there's this huge backlash to any type of transgressive sexuality so do either of you see pegging as a, an act of political resistance but anything you do that is is uh, against the what Hunter Thompson used to call the forces of old and evil, you know they're <laughs> they're just here. They've always been here. Right now they're louder. They were always there, you know, and they hate it that we enjoy sex because by and large they don't. Right, and it's or they're or they're incredibly ashamed of enjoying it you know and i think enjoying sex itself is a transgressive act having sex for fun mm -hmm. is transgressive 
And yeah, and the the like there is no fucking way a baby is gonna come from being pegged. Like <laughs> no <laughs> none at all. Like like there is there is no heterosex less likely to create a baby mm-hmm. than pegging. So think- why not do like Uber non-procreative sex? Like the least procreative sex. And I think with, you know, the state of the world right now, um, our bodily autonomy is being stripped away uh, every day a little bit more, it feels like. And I don't think there's anything more, you know, like political than having bodily autonomy and speaking up for what you feel um, like what gives you pleasure and taking that for yourself um having consensual sex with people shamelessly and uh and doing it in a way that you want not that you know your government or your religion or your family says is correct but the one the exact way that you want to have sex um i think that that is a political act in its in itself so let's let's delve into some of the practical things are there favorite anal trainer sets that you have or dildo sets you have for pegging? Because you've, you know, as people will discover when they read the book, and, and please go buy the book, um, you've, you've got to work up for this. You know, you, you start with just the tip and then you move on. <laughs> Best anal trainer set, you come equipped with it. It's a hand. Because one finger, then two fingers, then three fingers. I mean, if you're exceptionally brave, you can get the whole fist in there. Uh, but it, it's, it, you know, training, it, I'll, I'll obviously let Lindsay speak to the, uh, let Lindsay speak. I'll obviously ask Lindsay to speak <laughs> to the toy element of it. But I mean, I feel like the, the most important thing with enjoying anal sex and enjoying pegging at the beginning is a willingness to explore and a willingness to just feel mild discomfort occasionally because it will happen. You know, I, I can tell you as someone who loves pegging that the moment of the push is mildly discomfortable, but once it gets in there, it's amazing. So it's, it's, you know, one finger is a perfect uh welcoming <laughs> you know act. and it's free and it's free yeah your hands are free yeah uh as someone who works at a sex toy store i will say that sometimes pegging can be a bit of an investment because there are kind of tools right like um that you can definitely get by with you know fingers for play and um ex- exploration um but then eventually you're going to want to buy like a harness and a and a toy of some kind uh, but to get started i think that yeah hands are great they're free they're easy everyone has them some that's ableist uh some people have them uh but uh and then you can get into like small butt plugs that you can wear Mm -hmm. during sex so you get used to that sensation so that you get used to something there you get used to the like push like you were saying like something kind of like going in and then staying there Mm -hmm. um and then you kind of like can switch those wires in your brain that say that well no sex is or like something in your butt isn't just uncomfortable or isn't just 
pooping you know <laughs> like yeah. it's like mm-hmm. you can start wiring it to be you know the pavlov's dog um <laughs> kind of like experiment of like this is actually sexy this can feel good this is this is fun um <laughs> and then once you kind of get used to a little bit of anal play starting with a you know like a smooth firm um tapered dildo or something like that you know i i i will sometimes recommend tantus toys because they're really pretty firm um so tantus is a good company to look into and they're like here in america which is nice they they um they have one called the leisure they have one called the mistress and those are all both or those are both like kind of tapered and more narrow which is Mm -hmm. nice to start off with when you're beginning to play but then i i just feel like there's a million toys out there and and kind of again it's a, it ends up being an investment because you want to get the one that's good for you and right. no one can gauge that even if I, you know i've been working at a sex toy store for 10 years i can't tell you what toy is going to be good for your butt you really got to figure that out on your own but if someone came in and said and held up two fingers and said we're this far you could <laughs> right. probably recommend a good one at that yeah. point yeah it, it's uh Oh shit! Now I completely lost my train of thought. Go on. Yes, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Toys, finding the right right fit. No, I have no idea what I was going to say. Well, oh, I I know I I was going <laughs> to mention one more thing, like vibrating versus non vibrating. Mm. Um, sometimes that can help with with either plugs or with dildos. Vibration. As you may know, if you've ever held a vibrator in your hand and your hand starts feeling numb, vibration causes an almost numbing effect without mm-hmm. it being um, an unnatural numbing substance, which we do talk about in the book. We kind of don't recommend stuff like analese because it can lead to tearing. It can lead to you hurting yourself without knowing and all that stuff. Again, we get into that. But when it comes to like numbing via vibration, that's a way to do it kind of naturally with adding a bunch of intense stimulation, but which can also be pleasurable, but not um, hurting yourself and not, you right. know, like um, uh, not doing any, hopefully not doing any kind of like micro tear damage. So, yeah, so vibration can also be a fun added element and a lot of toys. Well, you can have, you can add that. And it's, it's very much worth mentioning to never put anything in your butt that doesn't have a uh, flared base because you don't want to go on that fishing expedition. It just, you don't. And the other thing that I think is worth mentioning is that anal sex, especially for prostate, if you're looking for prostate pleasure, it's not the same as vaginal sex. And a lot of people immediately treat anal sex identically, where the idea is slide in, and go to pound town as it were. But, you know, as like, I can speak for myself. I enjoy very slow, very minuscule movements and never a full withdrawal. You know, it's, it's always just right around the prostate moving back and forth. And a lot of people are, are very similar with that. And if you've ever done, you know, real, like concentrated G-spot play, you often do the two fingers come here gesture. You know, if you've ever seen a lesbian with long fingernails on every finger except the the index and the middle, you you know that 
She's probably familiar with that come here gesture. But what that come here gesture does is it puts something slightly behind the G spot and pushes it against the top wall and pulls toward the prostate is very similar in that, in that some of the best pleasure comes from going just past it and pulling forward. So that's why dildos with prominent uh, heads are significant because that head is what's pulling back. So really the, the best thing you can do with fingers before you go anywhere near dildos is understand what it is your body likes because it is different for everybody. Some people really want that pounding and some people don't want any movement at all. It's all about the fullness and a butt plug may be all they want to do. So it's, it's important that you do that exploration because as Lindsay said, these things, when they're good, they're expensive. If they're cheap, they're probably cheap in multiple ways. So Cooper, you mentioned being bigger bodied and sometimes a little difficult to explore on your own. This mm. is fat chicks on top. We have a lot of fat chicks yeah, and other, yeah. other bigger bodied folks. When it comes to exploring your own body and your bigger body, you got tips, tools, ideas? Well, the best thing in the world is the enjoy pure wand. And that's the best thing in the world, literally for anybody. I firmly believe because it's shaped like a comma. It's got a big ball on one end and a smaller ball on the other end. And honestly, so I, I've spent some time with the guy who designed these toys, uh, the creator of enjoy. And he said specifically, this toy was created because he wanted to fuck himself and he had a hard time doing it. So this is one of the only toys I've ever been able to play with where my hand is in front of me and the toy is in my ass. And I can, I can do that thing that I just mentioned, which is going behind the G spot, not the G spot, the prostate. And it's, it's fantastic because it's stainless steel. And, you know, a lot of people have, a lot of squeaky thoughts about butts and it's understandable because we were raised to think that butts are dirty and sometimes honestly they are. So, uh, stainless steel is amazing because you can literally boil it. You can spray it down with rubbing alcohol. I even saw one person set it on fire. So you can sterilize this bad boy with, with no problem. And what's, what's also great about it is while it's expensive, I, I believe the, uh, Lindsay, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's somewhere around a hundred these days, right? Yeah. I think ours is like 110, something like that. Yeah. So, but, but if you look around, That's you can solid. often find sales on them. Yeah. And this is an heirloom toy. You can pass this <laughs> down to your children because it's a fucking a hunk of stainless steel. So, you know, ob obviously anyone can play with their butt. And I say as a bigger guy, it's more difficult and because it is a little more difficult, but I can still shove a finger up my butt. You know, that's, it's not, it's not a problem. So what I like about this is just that you can hold it in front. And if you're very, very new to anal play, 
Uh, the Hitachi Magic Wand, which is the 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 goat, the greatest of all time, uh, it's real easy to just press that against your butthole, not insert it. Let me make that clear. I'm not telling you to insert it, though, if you can, you know, kudos, but that's not what I'm telling you to do. Just press it against your anus and enjoy that, that sensation. Because also the prostate is not far inside you and pressing against the anus or pressing against the horribly named taint, uh, which is your perineum, uh, is also a great way to, uh, reach the prostate without having to go deep. And so, uh, like that, those are the two you should not live without, honestly, if you can, if you can splash out probably for $200 all in, you get a Hitachi, you get a, you get the pure wand and you go to town and it works for all bodies. Well, yeah, yeah I, I can't, I cannot think universal. of a type of body where one of those would not work. Mm -hmm. Well, and the nice thing about the Hitachi wand is it comes with a uh, prostate attachment a g you can get a g oh yeah right you can get a stroker like the atachi is such a go-to and i love all things enjoy like my favorite <laughs> butt plug is the little enjoy that looks like a little fish hook oh yeah yeah right mm -hmm. that's the Fucking uh brilliant that's the s uh no what is that called the it might be called the pure plug but i can't that, remember no the pure plug's like the regular yeah. one there's what well, the the peas it, it's some i'm uh, sorry yeah. fun there's yeah, a fun. That's it. Yeah, yeah. that one's fun too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, no, yeah. All the enjoy stuff is it's yeah. freaking brilliant. And and you're right, you you could pass them on. Um, I won't pass them on to the stepchildren in my life, but I may <laughs> pass them on to other folks. Uh, you know, boundaries. <laughs> well, I get it. I get it. You gotta put them in your will. <laughs> to be clear, well, you do not have to, to pass on uh, no. your heirloom <laughs> sex toys. They just will live on. You can be buried with them <laughs> should you choose. As, as someone who tests sex toys as part of part of their living, mm -hmm. I have passed on some. My my friends refer to it as my my sex toy graveyard, and they'll go in and raid it for stuff <laughs> that I've just put up there because I. You can only own so many wands and so many yeah. dildos. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and it doesn't mean they're bad. It just means like no. ultimately five or six things max because you can't even think of the other things at that point. It's like, what else did I have? I don't know. I just want to use this. Yeah. There's a good rule of thumb. If you don't reach for it, maybe you should give it away. <laughs> As someone who has way too many. Photos and and toys, think of I get the it. pleasure yeah. you can, you can provide you can for give. someone else. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. I feel really good about it when I pass them on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and then some, some are just ridiculous. Somebody, one company sent me, it's a, um, it's a monster style dildo. Um, mm -hmm. like it's supposed to be that of a cyclops, but it's nine inches in diameter and nine inches long and marketed as an anal toy. And oh, I'm like, no. oh God. It's now a gnome in my garden because it had the right colors. Very nice. Very <laughs> nice. We had Ooh, we had yeah, something that... like that. What is the the drag bad dragon? Bad mm -hmm. dragon, right? Yeah. Yeah, we we uh for a long time on Life on the Swings at the podcast were looking for an ejaculating dildo. Because as someone who uh, will, I'm I'm still going to say probably never be comfortable 
being penetrated by a, someone without a condom. Mm -hmm. I cannot think of another way I could be ejaculated into, you know? So we were looking for this thing and bad dragon was one of the first companies that offered an ejaculating dildo. You had to get the medium size in order to get the ejaculation. Ooh, tube and the small is already the size of a Coke can, right? Yeah. Like uh, I, I had uh -oh. no idea uh -oh. when this thing arrived, like it, it's the size of two Coke cans yeah. in diet. Yeah. Like it, it is fucking enormous partner at the time. Couldn't in her mouth. And, mm -hmm. and they were like, yeah, you can put this in your butt. It's like, no, no, I can't. Some people could. Some people yeah. can. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but sure. Yeah, but not, not me. me. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, I don't, I don't, um, I don't begrudge anybody who can put these things in their ass. And uh, having, having spent some time around the boys, uh, boys town area of Chicago, during pride time, I have seen some dildos that, uh, frankly made me weep, mm. uh, you know, like the, the cock, the size of the length of my arm and the diameter of two of my arms, you know, mm. it, it's, it's stunning what some people can put inside themselves. And I fully support just, you know, try not to go to the hospital. Just that's all I, that's yeah, all be I careful. suggest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still be you careful. do have internal organs past yeah, yeah. the rectum. And if the you go is too a magical far, thing, but yeah. Yeah. Still got to yeah. be careful. Yeah. Well, and hospital staff know you never accidentally put it in. Oh, no. No. Like, don't, don't, don't you dare tell them that you, uh, you tripped and tripped fell and on fell. it. No. <laughs> no. If you're, if you're going to the hospital for an ass thing, you tell them right away, yes, I put this in my ass. Please remove it. But again, flared base. Yeah. Flared base or without a trace. Yeah. Gotta, you gotta keep <laughs> it in it. mind. Always yes. have something with a flare base. If people are playing with things that are not toys, like say a cucumber or something, mm -hmm. somehow make it safe. Like <laughs> put it in a condom, put it in a plastic bag that you can hold on to. I don't tie know a what, string but... around it. Uh, yeah, just... you know, even that, I'm like, Jesus, just or, buy a or toy. yeah, don't oh don't God. play with don't play with cucumber. Don't do that. Yeah. Plus, there are chemicals on fruit on vegetables. <laughs> Yeah, put that in your there's butt. plenty of good things to stick in your butt that you don't need to yeah. find things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's so many. So if our, our readers want to, our listeners want to find the book, if they want to find you, if they want to find your podcast, plug all the things. Well, the easiest way to find the book is at, shit, I, I can't remember. Do we have the in the? Yeah, thepeggingbook.com. Thepeggingbook.com. If you're there early and you just want information about it, you can sign up for the mailing list. You can buy it right through there. You can buy it from our uh, from the company that's putting it out, Thornapple Press. You can buy it. From, just buy it. Uh, you know, it, it's good if you buy it. it. It's good when you buy it anywhere. It's fine. Uh, you can call your local sex toy store and say, would you order copies of the pegging book? Um, but yeah, we, we have the, uh, the ebook, the paperback, and we're finishing up the audio book, like literally now. So those should all be available by October 14th when the, the book is, is due to be released. It'll also be sold at the tool shed. We have an online store as will, well. Yes. That's where I work. So oh, my yeah, boss is right. like super can... excited. So the tool shed um, or just toolshedtoys.com. Uh, so that's always fun. 
Um, I'm think, still here. My video oh, okay. just died. Okay, cool. Okay. I was like, oh, I think we might have lost. Nope. All right. Links and such. Uh, so I also host a podcast called Polyamory Uncensored, where I interview polyamorous folks on their non-monogamous journeys. And so um, you can find me over on like uh, anywhere you find podcasts, Polyamory Uncensored, um, and Instagram and Facebook and and uh, all of that goodness. Um, but then also I started a Facebook page just as an author because I didn't want people to friend my regular like Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So Lindsay L. Miller on Facebook, uh, if you want to follow our updates for the book and such. Um, but yeah, otherwise the peggingbook.com is where, where we're mostly at. And you can find me at cooperspeckett.com. I'm uh, an author of many books, some scary, some sexy. Uh, they're pretty obviously delineated, so you don't have to worry about running into a scary thing in the sexy books. And it's um, I'm the co-host of the the Pike Cast, which is about teen author Christopher Pike. Uh, from the 90s, you know, way back then when times were different. Yeah. I will have all of those links up in the show notes for our listeners. For our regular listeners, I've already put in the request that Wicked Grounds in San Francisco carry it, which is one of Yay. our favorite sex shops here. So they should have both the ebook and the regular one when this comes out. Check out all their podcasts. Check them out. They're, they're both great follows on Twitter. Um, and enjoy. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And now, a moment of gratitude. I am grateful that in a month I will be in Mexico for our 10th trip to Desire um, and possibly our final takeover because they, uh, have changed the, the booking rules at desire, which is unfortunate, but one more, one more trip to the greatest place I've ever been. That's what I'm grateful for. Mm. That's so much, that's so much more deep than mine is going to be. Uh, cause that's I'm just like, I'm really grateful for the show. Our flag means death. Which has yeah. been getting me through everything right now. I've been so watching. I probably watched it four times because I have to watch it with every partner. Queer TV. And I just, I mean, I know that's not really, it's not deep, but there's also like, there's a whole fandom that is so wholesome and so beautiful. Yeah. And I've been in all of these like Twitter and Facebook fandom groups that are really getting me through, you know, yeah. getting me through, you know, all of this COVID shit that has hit, in, hit the Midwest again after two years of isolating and being careful. And then it's just like coming at us again. And and I just, I gotta say, our flag means death is really helping me out, <laughs> which is so weird and silly, but I don't give a shit. I love Not it so much. All. It's Not so wonderful. <laughs> I'm grateful for them. So many. Yeah. Along, along with that, I recommend the most shockingly queer show, A League of Their Own. Oh yes, I I, I was that. I was blown away by how fucking queer that show is. Like from beginning to end, unabashedly queer. Hi, this is Auntie Vice from Fat Chicks on Top. October is just around the corner, and that's International Kink Month. 
In preparation for that, I'm offering some special discounts. If you go to my shop at AuntieVice.com backslash shop, you can pick up a second edition of Love Letters to a Unicorn for $5 off using the code PREPFORFULSOME. If you are interested in kink coaching by me personally, you can try a free session. You can book a session for coaching and use the code MYFIRSTTIME and that'll get you a free 50-minute consult. for listening to this episode of Fat Chicks on Top. Please like, subscribe, and review our podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. If we like your review, we may even read it online. This has been an Auntie Vice production. Producer and host, Rebecca Blanton. Audio production by Sharon Smith. Music by David Manga. And more music by Sharon Smith. For more information about Fat Chicks on Top, please visit our website for all things Fat Chicks at fatchicksontop.com.